Live from downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown, at the Brooklyn Paper Building. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm Vince DiMaselli. Gersh Kuntzman, nowhere to be found. He's he's nowhere to be found. Do we, do we know where he is? Gersh, Gersh, anywhere, anyone? Right. Who's that? Wait, who's next to me? Oh, this is uh, Max Yeager. Oh, Max Yeager sitting in for Gersh Kuntzman. Gersh apparently lost in a, a big snowstorm out there, Max. You see that? It's uh, it's blinding out there. Yeah, you can't. I, the, the snow is building up. You're not you're not supposed to lead with the weather, but you know, on radio, we did things a little bit differently, right? Absolutely. Sometimes uh, the weather is the story. <laughs> well, as you know, Brooklyn Paper Radio brought to you by our good friends, Dr. Joseph Lichter, of course, the Brooklyn Spine Center, and Atlas Steakhouse. It's a President's Day show. Anything can happen. Our phone lines are open, as always. It's two six zero four five zero two. Give us a call. In case you want to talk about something, anything that has to do with Brooklyn. This is going to be our first best of show, Max. A clip show already. Yeah, no, we're not messing around. We've been on the air about maybe three months. It's a testament to how much best of material we really have. It's incredible the amount of stuff that we have put together that has just made people laugh, cry, and it's certainly become a part of them. Uh, Brooklyn Paper Radio at 4.30 every Monday has people just going nuts, clearly. We had, a, we had our biggest show last week, but I'm not going to give you any clips from that. We're going we're gonna to go with, with, some, with some other stuff. How was your weekend, Max? What would you do? Oh, my weekend was great. I, uh, I did the one thing that you should never do on Valentine's Day, which is uh, go to Ikea. And <laughs> successfully, uh, not only was this the shortest trip I've ever made there personally to the Ikea in beautiful Red Hook, um, Walked out with a couch in like an hour. It was great. Oh, so you didn't go for breakfast? Did not go for breakfast. You didn't take your wife there for, for dinner? No, I took my girlfriend there, though, for, oh, that's right. uh, oh, that's for right. a couch. You're not even married? Nope. No, oh, well, congratulations Recently domestically partnered, though. That was what we did on Friday. So. You actually went and got a domestic partnership? We went to the uh, clerk of courts in America's downtown, beautiful downtown <laughs> Brooklyn. Uh, and, and we signed the paperwork, so now uh, we are we are domestic partners. Now, I am the beneficiary of city council health benefits, which I appreciate. I was just that was my next question. That's where I was going to go. Now, who needed the health benefits? Was it uh, you or her? It was me. It was me. Well, that is a testament to our, our great health care system, is it not? It's it is. I was. Uh, I am a former uh, Obamacare uh, c- client. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so you're off the Obamacare and you're you're moving on to the city system. Moving on to the city system what, what from, one, gr- from what one, one girlfriend big government to another. What does your girlfriend do? She's uh she's a scheduler for a councilman uh, in in uh, this other borough. Um, you may have heard of it, Queens. Oh, yeah. It's on the other side of the river. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's somewhere over Is it? there. I've Where seen is maps. I don't know. Is there some sort of some sort of boundary between us and Queens? Possibly a uh, maybe some barbed wire or, or large fences. Interestingly, there is not. I used to work in that area, and there's nothing. There's nothing even letting you know when you leave the Borough of Kings. There isn't a sign that says you're leaving Brooklyn. Forget about not it. Not a thing. Anything. Not a thing. That's that's really really too bad. And what about um, the uh, well? Let's just let's just move on. Let me tell you about what I did this week. Yes, please. All right. So we had it was Valentine's Day, right? It was. Yeah. So Sunday. you got a you got a like I got a wife. I got the little kid. Right, he's nine. Right. So when I was a kid, I didn't get any Valentine's Day presents. Right? Like do do pa- kids now? Uh, apparently. Hmm. Apparently. My kid okay. got a bunch of like Star Wars stuff. He's really much – he's into the Star Wars. He's into the Minecraft. He's got all that stuff. And, you know, uh, all of a sudden I'm sitting down. We had, we had a wonderful uh, uh, a fondue dinner, and I made some steak. And we were actually dick- dipping the steak into the fondue. So it was, yes. it was really well put together. It was not, very, not a kosher fondue, but a delicious fondue. <laughs> It was not kosher at all, but and uh, we we really don't. Next thing I know, we're having dessert, and my wife pulls out some presents, and my kids open it up. It's like Christmas. You get like ten presents. Now, 
Didn't we just have Christmas? Uh, we did. We did. And we just had his birthday because his birthday was January 19th. Lucky kid. I tell you. Lucky so. kid. It's all it's all very exciting. Who knows? Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get a call. Maybe he'll uh, he'll 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 give us a buzz and talk about how Oh yeah. So he's off today then, right? The whole city is off, apparently. Oh, the whole yeah. city except us. Except for a couple people, right? Even even Gersh Kunstman is off. <laughs> so do you think now do do you see this as like some sort of this you're sitting in, do you think it's like some sort of like tryout for the job? Oh man, now you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. Um I, I don't And do you think I, you I like could, to think that a tryout wouldn't be necessary. Do you <laughs> do you think you could do the job that, that Gersh Kunstman does? Oh. I, I, with the volume and, and the the timbre, the excitement, the excitement. To it, I absolutely could. Yes, I could, Vince DiMasselli. I think I think you do a great. As job. you know, you can't fit a playing card between myself and Vince DiMasselli. <laughs> you are a handsome man, actually. There's no doubt about. It. Wait, wait. Oh, now wait. you're taking my lines. I'm going the wrong way there. Okay. All right. So look, we got a really exciting show, and we wanted to talk about some of the things that we have done in the past. That, you know, have made people smile. And one of the, you know, lots of big stars have been on this show. Huge stars. Yeah, it's not just, it's not just Reverend Meeker over there for, at the uh, at the church in Park Slope. It's it's not just Aaron Short calling in from out of nowhere, a reporter with the, with the, uh, with the post. It's, we're talking big stars. We're it's talking, a constellation. We're talking Michael Moore. We're talking uh, R2-D2. And uh, we're going to play you some of the, we're going to play you some of those clips uh, that, that you know, during those exclusive interviews that we've had, uh, Michael Moore, for instance, I don't know if you know this, he was in the hospital recently. He was. What happened? He had a uh, he had pneumonia, wasn't doing so well. Was tweeting from the hospital. One of the guys, uh, one of the guys he tweeted, or one of the it was Brooklyn Paper Radio. He sent it at Brooklyn Paper Radio to mm. let us know that he's actually going to survive. He's getting out of there. Good for him. Well, before that, he uh, a new movie came out, and he wanted to. He was you know he's going on tour, talking about the talking about the movie. Who do we invade next? And uh, we we were, had the opportunity to put him on the show, and we were very excited to do it. So uh, let's can we roll that clip, Jimmy? Jimmy, you got that one? All right, let's roll that clip. This is this is Gersh, Vinny, and well, you and know, Michael Vince, Moore. we have a rare privilege coming up in a second. We're going to have Michael Moore, the documentary filmmaker, hmm, who's Moore. got a new movie out called Where to Invade Next. He's going to come on the show, and I got to tell you something, Vince. I've been watching this guy's work all the way back to Roger and me. He's mm-hmm. a funny guy, and one thing I didn't know about him. He's a New Yorker. He lives on the Upper West Side. I did not know that. The other day, he invites his Upper West Side neighbors. Now, he's got about 1,000 people living in a building called the Bromley. And he said to his neighbors, come see the movie at the the movie theater right around the corner. Mm -hmm. 1,000 people saw the movie, Where to Invade Next. I was there because I just was invited as well. Had a good time. Enjoyed the film and said to myself, wait a minute. I'm not going to wait online with all of his neighbors to talk to Michael Moore. I'm press. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to call him up the next day and tell him, hey, Michael, come on the radio show. Come on Brooklyn Paper Radio with Gersh Kunstman and the toughest questioner in the world, Vince DiMasselli. Yeah, right. So that's a bit of an honor that he actually said, you know what, Vince DiMasselli, I'll come on for him. <laughs> so, wait, the name of the film is what again? Where to Invade Next. Now, that doesn't seem like a very Michael Moore title. It's not very Moorish, if well, you Well, you think it's kind of kind of warlike. It seems that way, and he seems well, to be a pacifist. That's sort of the trick of it. It's where to invade next. What it is is Moore basically invades, quote-unquote invades, all these other countries in Europe and Asia and Africa to steal back the best ideas. In fact, that might be him right now. We'll oh. talk to him on, on the air. I'm going to pick this up, okay? Hello, you're on Brooklyn Paper Radio. This is Gersh Kunstman with Vince DiMasselli. Hi, I'm calling with Michael Moore. How are you? Well, it's great to have you on the show. What's your name? I'm Christina. I actually don't have him just yet. Well, we'll just keep talking. Call back when you have him. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Thank you. 
Well, that's sort of interesting. That's the thing with these celebrities. They've got publicists to call for him. Anyway, the movie is called Where to Invade Next. The idea of it is he goes to these other countries and with, a, with an American flag and he plants a flag in every country whenever he steals a good idea. So, for example, he's in Germany. Well, what's the great German idea? Uh, the hamburger and hot dog. But okay, that's we, not bad. We already have those. These were political ideas, Vince, but it's a nice idea. Oh. He goes to Germany. What's the central thing that unifies the German people? It's admitting their mistake in the Holocaust. It's actually part of their, their lifestyle. Part of their DNA now. It really is. In yeah. fact, he interviews a, an immigrant, a, 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 new, a, newly, a, a, a newly Germanized immigrant who's from Africa, and he says, as a German immigrant, even I accept responsibility for the Holocaust because it's wow. part of our culture. Wow. And so, he, so Moore's, Moore's idea was, you know, if we were more like that about, say, slavery or, or other failures that we've had over the years, mm-hmm. it might make us a better, more unified is, p- people. Is that part of, like, the German Pledge of Allegiance? Is, a, is that like a line in the German Pledge of Allegiance? It, it, it almost is. I don't know if it actually is. I don't speak German. And also we apologize for the Holocaust. I mean, Deutschland über alles is no longer the anthem of Germany. Anyway, that's the German idea. Then he's in France, and you're thinking, Vince DiMasselli, What's the best idea that ever came out of French, oh. out of France, that you didn't have to fry? <laughs> no, the, be- uh, the best thing that ever came out of France for me is foie gras. Foie gras is nice, but you know, you can't even make foie gras in these United States anymore because of all the bureaucrats. But anyway, oh. the idea that he brings back from France is so simple and so beautiful that I, 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 this is when I got teary. He sits down to a school lunch with a bunch of French public school students, and not in a rich Parisian neighborhood, uh-huh. but in somewhere in the Midi. They call it Le Midi. Le Midi. A very poor part of France, and they have a three-course meal with a cheese course, a meat course, no wine, mm. no vin, but mm. plenty of fromage, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love that. Delicious meal, and it turns out that healthy meal that was made by a chef is actually cheaper per student than the school meals we serve. So, so he plants his flag and says, flag and we're bringing back, we're bringing that idea good, back here. Good meals for kids at lunch. I think they they are pushing for that though here in the city, aren't they? Well, New York City is way ahead of the rest of the country, as you know. We are ahead of the curve. So Vince, it's great to see you as we wait for Michael Moore to call back. But I, as I said, I enjoyed the movie. I would have given it four stars. The Daily News is going to give it three and a half stars when the review comes out. I fought for that extra star. Mm-hmm. So Michael the Moore, extra uh, half star. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, call us. Wait, you fought it for a half star? or The extra a, half star. My reviewer half. wanted to give it three stars. I said, mm-hmm. no way, Jose. What's the Daily News review format? Is it three out of five? Is out of five, out of five? Yeah, out of five. And my right. reviewer's name is actually Jose. So when I say, no way, Jose, it's fine. It's not, <laughs> it's not a slur that Michael Moore is going to have to report about. Yeah, well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you have uh, such, a, such a diverse staff over there at the Daily News. You know what the best idea in Slovenia was? I'd love to hear it. Free higher education. Oh, so like you go to college for free, or is it just uh, are that what we're talking about? I mean, I just said free higher education. So college. What part of that didn't you? Yes, well, free so college. Sometimes you get confused. Free it's like high school. Free university. But I guess high education. school is free. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you could use a little of that free that, higher education. <laughs> it might have come in handy. I paid a lot of money for St. John's University, but not not as much as they pay to these days. Yeah, look where it got you. On the radio with Gersh Kuntzman oh, and Michael Moore sorry. whenever he calls in. He might call in. The thing that I found best about, and the funny thing about the movie is, yeah, it sounds like it's very earnest, but it's actually very funny. Mm-hmm. He goes to Slovenia and keeps calling it Slovakia. And then he meets with the Slovenian president. Well, and he, then refers to him as the Slovakian president. Was he which is very che- funny. He, so he wasn't in Czechoslovenia? Czechoslovenia. The former Czech Republic of Slovenia. <laughs> anyway, look, Vince, I got to tell you something. It's just great to be here. <laughs> it's always I hope, who was that woman who called? What was her name? Catherine? I, I didn't get I really it. hope she calls again. Yeah, no, I'm sure they will. 
Hello? Oh, oh, Vince, there he is now. Hey, is that Michael Moore? Yes, it is. Oh, Mr. Moore, it's Gersh Kunstman here with the hardest questioner in the world, Vince DiMasselli. Thanks for joining us on Brooklyn Paper Radio. How are you? Not him, please, not him. <laughs> I know, I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. Anyway, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I was telling Vince, because I had seen your movie uh, with your neighbors up on the Bromley on the Upper West Side, how much I enjoyed the film, and Vince and I had a bunch of questions about it. I want to start off with the basic, though. How many countries did you actually invade, quote-unquote, invade for the movie? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Okay, now how many actually made the final cut? It was like seven or eight? Nine. Nine, okay. So, give because Vince hasn't seen it. I've told him about it. I want you to give him an idea of some of the countries you went to. We went to uh, France and Italy, Finland, Norway, um, uh, Slovenia. It wasn't Slovakia? Not Slovakia, Slovenia. Okay. They're, they're often confused. And, and often by you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, it's a, it's, I think it's a very common dyslexia, the Slovenia-Slovakia dyslexia mm. complex. But, um, yeah, those, those, are, those are in Tunisia, in, in Africa, we went to Tunisia. And basically what he finds, Vince, is that all these countries have all these great ideas for solving very specific problems. And I was telling Vince, you know, France, you had the great school meal. And Italy, you get these unbelievable vacation benefits and marital benefits uh, to the point where – tell us a little bit about Italy because you had, you're, you had like a jaw-dropping moment in that scene in the movie. Well, this Italian couple, one, one of them is a cop and another one works as a, as a buyer for a department store. By, by the way, they're, they're incredibly hot. <laughs> all the Italians were incredibly hot. It, I mean, the whole place looked, looked like it, it looked like the full time job there was to have sex, and then they took breaks to work, you know, or make dinner <laughs> or whatever. It. Yeah. Um, but they 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 have anywhere from six to eight weeks paid vacation every year, and I was just blown away by that. But then on top of that, the woman starts to tell me how when they got married. Uh, their honeymoon is paid, it's a paid vacation. They get 15 days paid days off when you get married for your honeymoon. I mean, that's why I believe in polygamy. Italian polygamy would be the best thing. You get married, you get your two months or two weeks, you get married again. This is, this, I, when I go back there, I'm going to share that idea with them. Exactly. That's what, an, an idea you can bring back from the United States. Well, yes, because we Americans, we can think of creative ideas like this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when I went to Italy, I was in Rome uh, during, I guess, during August, and they, they call it like the feria or something like that, and they all just disappear, yeah. and they go down like they go down south, and you couldn't like, do, I guess the the messengers don't go to Rome in in August because you, there's there's nothing nothing's open. Well, yeah, the funniest thing is if you like you go up to a, like an ice cream stand. Uh, in August, and it's closed. I mean, like, the, the month people would be eating the most ice cream, nobody's there. Well, I mean, it, it, you're making actually a good point that they have these wonderful worker benefits, which is a great thing. We'd love to bring that back. And you talk to the factory owner, for example, and he has no problem giving it to his workers because they're happier workers, they're healthier workers. But at the same time, could could you bring an idea like that to America across the board? Would it work, or is there some problem with us as people and as and as employers is that could you bring that idea back? Well, I think we could. Yes, I mean yeah, there is a problem with us, and then part of the problem is that um, our capitalism system, our system of capitalism, is a fear-based system. It's based on uh, the fear of of, of being broke. Uh, the majority of Americans, I believe, now live from paycheck to paycheck. For the first time ever this month, uh, the, in the sense World War II, I believe that the majority of Americans are no longer considered middle class. So it's it's uh, it, it would be hard to do. People would have to be not afraid, and um, but 
employers would soon see that productivity would go up. People, happier workers make for a more productive uh, environment. Uh, and uh, yes, I think it definitely, it definitely could work. We should at least, there should at least be four weeks paid vacation for everybody who has a job. Well, you know, it's funny. I have four weeks paid vacation, and I don't even use all of it. And, and a vast majority of Americans don't use all their vacation days. So have we met the enemy and it is us? Well, why, now let's ask ourselves that. Why, yes. Why is it, though, that, that, that's, a very, that's a very true fact that you just gave? Why don't we take the vacation days off to us? Is it because we're afraid that the boss won't look at us uh, properly or nicely because, you know, we're taking this time off and then we're, we're going to do better if we show we're a more committed worker? Or maybe it's uh, we're married to the wrong person and, and you're thinking, you know, four weeks off, uh, I don't know how we're going to get along. Um, I mean, there could be a lot of reasons why we'd rather work. I think most people are just afraid to lose their job. I yeah. think that's it. I think that's it. And I think it's because um, the way things are priced here, I mean, over there, we, we, we kept asking, does anybody have a second job? Nobody has a second job. Yeah. We went to a pencil factory in Germany. They're just making pencils there. They, but they make enough money where they do not need a second job. But who's, make, who's using pencils? <laughs> exactly. That's what I said to him. He said they had their biggest year last year. I don't. Well, last year was their biggest year ever. I think that's a whole movie right there. <laughs> that, would, that would be a funny movie. Who the hell is using pencils? Well, you know what it is, He's the last guy. He might have killed off the competition. They are German. Yeah. Uh, now, now, but you <laughs> mentioned Germany. I was, I was telling Vince before that before you came on that the scenes in Germany were actually very touching. It, it, just for Vince's sake and the, and the listener, the, the idea that, that Michael Moore steals from Germany is this notion of national uh, kind of admitting when the country has done something bad. In the case of the Germans, obviously, I'm talking about uh, Frankfurters. No, I'm talking about the Holocaust, obviously. And even the German immigrant, the guy who just became a German, said, as a German, I take responsibility for the Holocaust. This is an Arab immigrant who's just been made a German citizen, and he says that he believes that he is responsible for the Holocaust and must make reparations to its victims, because if he's going to call himself a German and be a German citizen, he doesn't just get the good with that. He also has to accept the bad, and that the bad is the, the history. I, I mean, he gets the good, which is the pencils, but yeah, it gets the bad. And he gets to work a 36-hour week and pay, be, be paid for 40. Right. And the, and the way to apply that idea to us would be, you were talking about slavery, but there's any number of kind of bad things about our country that we just don't talk about. Right. It, it, yes, we don't teach them in history class. Um, we don't own them. We, we're, we're, we're somehow we're afraid to say, yeah, we you know we screwed up, you know, we, we, uh, but, you know, we're not like that anymore and we're going we're gonna to try and make things better. But, but what would admitting that do for us? Because you know people are very reluctant just as people, let alone as a country. Wh- what would that do for the national, you know, ideal the same thing it does in any 12-step program the first step is you to stand up and admit who you are and what you are we are americans and we and i say as i say in the movie we live in a great country but it's a country that was born in genocide and it was built on the backs of slaves and those ancestors of those slaves they are still on the bottom rung of the economic ladder every other group that's come into this country starts at that bottom rung you know my family was irish you know, Italians were there, Jews were there. All, all groups go to that bottom rung, Asians. And then they all get to climb. They get to climb up a rung or two or five or 10. But who's still on that bottom rung? African-Americans. Why? I mean, the statistic that came out two months ago that the average, the median income household in, for, in, in white America, the, the actual amount of the assets 
that white, a white American family owns is now $111,000. The average black family, how much do they own in assets? 7,100. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's like the woman in the, from Iceland says, how do you live with yourselves? White, <laughs> white families, 111,000 in assets, black families, 7,000 in assets. Yeah, I like those Icelandic women also in the movie. No, no, I like what they had to say. I like they were very intelligent. Yeah. The, the first country that ever elected a female leader was Iceland. That's why he went there. Female president. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's time. It's time for us to bring in the tough, the tough questions, though. I mean, Michael, you have a reputation. People slam you all the time. You're not patriotic. You're anti-American. I will say this in your defense before I let you say something in your defense. The movie doesn't come off that way, and I actually don't think any of your movies come off that way. But why are you constantly seen? as an America-bashing, freedom-fry-eaten non-patriot? I'm, I'm not seen that way. I'm actually a beloved national figure. <laughs> That's true. I forgot that. But, <laughs> but why do you think people sometimes see you that way? You mean why do people who listen to Rush Limbaugh and watch Fox News 24 hours a day feel that way? Well, that's that's not nobody. So, yeah, why do you think they feel that way? Yeah, no, that's 20% of the population, which in a country this large, that's quite a few million people yeah. that have been told about a fictional character with the name of Michael Moore. And um, they, I mean, this got explained to me actually by a, a Republican pollster one night after maybe one too many drinks. And, uh, and he said to me, he said, when we saw Fahrenheit 9-11, Karl Rove and the, the campaign to reelect Bush in 04, after we saw your film and we, and we did some focus groups, we saw that there were actually Republicans that were convinced to not vote for Bush. And so we decided then that we had to not debate the movie, but to ruin you. <laughs> we had to smear at you so that people would feel unpatriotic going into even you know seeing the, the movie. If, we, if they walked in that door and saw your movie, we were doomed. So we had to get them to not see it. And we did that by, by saying the things we said about you. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, boy, that's why you guys are good at what you do. <laughs> Well, they could have just changed policy or changed approach, but rather they, they decided to slam the movie? They slammed the movie, yeah, because they didn't want to change policy. They wanted a war with Iraq, and they thought that would lead us to a much safer America. And, of course, we all know how that's worked out. Well, you know, it's funny. You go on Fox News and other channels. And look, we're not partisan here in Brooklyn. We're an island of, of, of tranquility. But you go on those shows, and they talk about how all of the problems in the Middle East are Obama's problems when, you know, as you showed yeah. in those movies. Well, they, are, they are constantly living in an alternate reality. And basically, they got discombobulated uh, when America twice elected a man as president whose middle name was Hussein. They still can't get over that. And as Bill Maher says, they, they, they think of him as President Blackula. And, um, uh, you know, I, you can't help those people. But this movie isn't for them. Uh, you know, they're in their own bubble. But I did make this for the other 80% of our fellow Americans who I think do have a heart and have a conscience. And when they're presented with what I'm presenting them with in this film, and I do it in a, a very nonpartisan way, this is not a Democratic or Republican film. This is really just about common sense and all of us getting, you know, realizing we're in the same boat and we're going to sink or swim together. All right. Well, you know, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio, and we do have to bring it back to Brooklyn. So the, the question here is, we know you live in, up there in Manhattan. Why, all your ideas fit in with a lot of what's happening here in Brooklyn nowadays. Why don't you live in Brooklyn? How come you haven't moved here yet? Everything you're saying makes you a Brooklynite. Yes. Well, when I, when I, I live in Michigan, but I, I, have, so I have an apartment in Manhattan. I got that apartment in Manhattan when Manhattan was Brooklyn. Mm. When it was, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I remember on that, the corner across the street from my apartment, the, the, 
Uh, there was the local crack dealer. Um, uh, hey, wait, what are you? What are you saying about Brooklyn? Yeah, but I'm um, no. What I'm saying is, is that, is that, that Manhattan used to have uh, artists, uh, musicians, filmmakers, uh, creative people could afford to live on Manhattan Island, and and then. Uh, the hedge fund guys and the bankers and uh, everybody else sort of took over and moved uh, everybody off the island. And so, so Brooklyn became one of those places. Jersey City is one of those places. There's lots of other places in the area here that have a much more, a much more thriving uh, community uh, of, 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 and diverse uh, of, of, of you know, New Yorkers and Americans. That sounds like your next movie is going to be about gentrification in Brooklyn. No, I no. think somebody's got to make a really funny movie about Brooklyn because it is, you've got to admit, the, the sort of uh, the, the hipster quotient of oh. it is, is you're, pretty funny. You're talking about my forthcoming musical at the Fringe Festival this summer, Murder at the Food Co-op, already being, already being written, Michael. I'm on Hattie on that. All right, we got to get out. we gotta ask, we got to ask you the toughest question that you're going to face today because no one's got the guts to ask you this one. Thank God. No. Where are you on Star Wars, pro or con? I have my tickets for the 12.50 a.m. show tonight. Wow. Uh, so, uh, in 3D or, or regular? Uh, regular. No, I don't want to see this in 3D. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll see it later in 3D, but there's, there's very few movies you should see in 3D. Right. Um, but I'm seeing it in, in, in 2D in a theater that shows 2D uh, because I, I want the bulb and the lens to be right. But are you, are you a whole Star Wars kind of nerd, geek, fanatic? Oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, yes, I couldn't wait. I mean, I actually had to tell you the truth. I had tickets for the nine a.m. show this morning, but I had to do all this press today, so I wasn't able to to go. So then I went online and I grabbed the only seat left at the at the twelve uh, fifty in the morning midnight show tonight. Wow, Michael Moore seeing Star Wars alone. I know I'm seeing it alone. <laughs> I was gonna, I had somebody to go with this morning. I had nobody to go with tonight, so I'm just going by myself. Jesus, that, that that's the greatest story ever. <laughs> Our regrets. Well, you know what? It's a kind of movie you can kind of just. You've seen all the previous movies. You you really just want to zone out. I saw it the other night and I enjoyed it. I won't. Get, I won't spoil get, anything. Should have gave us a call. Would have taken you over to the uh, the Bam Harvey Theater where they're shown in beautiful old theater. It's fantastic. Oh, I, know. I had my premiere there last week, and I would have loved to seen Star Wars there. But <laughs> but no, and, and you know, I'm one. I'm actually one of the few people. I actually like Star Wars three. I did too. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a, just a beautiful allegory about Bush and Cheney, and uh, <laughs> it was pretty open about it, right? It was pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he did. I know. <laughs> I actually ran into George Lucas and I asked him about it, and he goes, "Yeah, it was kind of obvious, wasn't it?" Yeah, <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> <obvious>. <laughs> All right, we got to get out, Michael Moore. When does Where to Invade next open? It opens next Wednesday, December twenty third. It's one week only, uh, uh, and then uh, it'll be in theaters everywhere, including here on February twelfth. But it's next Wednesday, December twenty third, uh, at the Lincoln Plaza and the Angelica on Manhattan Island. Well, if, and if you can hear the sound of my voice, and I'm not a partisan, Michael Moore, you got to know that. I, I I'm a Brooklynite first and foremost, but I would say if you can hear the sound of my voice, go see it. It's an enjoyable movie, and it's funny. People forget that a documentary can be funny, even about important topics like that. So, Michael Moore, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Mike, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad you've got this podcast. I'm going to tune into it now. They, yeah, we we'll we'll just were on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've never listened to it. Now I am. There you go. He's a, he's, a, he's a fan. Why don't you tweet your million million and a half or whatever followers. Tell you've, them. You've made me a fan because you've asked me questions I haven't been asked all day. So thank you for that. Well, enjoy the movie all alone tonight. Okay. <laughs> I will. <laughs> See you, man. Thank you. All right, you. take care of yourself. Crying in my popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, nice to have Michael Moore on the show. He's a good man. Michael I enjoyed Moore. Oh, there he is.
was that was Michael Moore. Wow. wow, that was that was, that was the one man, of, the myth, the legend. It was a, it was a fantastic interview. We really we enjoyed doing it. But you know what? We got we got to take a break. We got to pay some bills, right? Yeah, always got to pay bills. All right. Well, when was the last time, Max, you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? If your answer is it has been too long to remember, then it's time to see Dr. Joseph Lichter. Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art dentistry is offered at extremely reasonable prices so that almost anyone can afford to get the smile they deserve. And right now, his prices are even more affordable because listeners of Brooklyn Paper Radio can get special low prices for some of Dr. Lichter's most popular procedures. For example, Invisalign. You've heard of it? I have. Yeah, well, Invisalign is the virtually invisible alternative to metal braces, which usually cost $5,000 or more at... Joseph Lichter DDS, you'll save more than $1,000. Porcelain veneers, which can go for $1,000 or more. Dr. Lichter, you'll pay only six seventy-five, And get the bright white smile you've always dreamed of. Because for a limited time, Dr. Lichter is offering the Zoom teeth whitening procedure for only $395. <laughs> Call Dr. Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that will make you smile. That's 718 718- Three three nine seven eight seven eight. Dr. Lichter is located at 1420 Avenue P between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. Or visit him online at josephlichterdds.com. Let me tell you, Vince, you're going to want to keep your teeth in good shape with an expert like Dr. Lichter because you want him when you go to a nice place like Atlas Steakhouse. Oh, have you been? You've been. I have been. And let me tell you, it was phenomenal. They treated us great. I went there with my girlfriend. It was beautiful. Atlas Steakhouse offers you a unique dining experience. First, choose your steak. Every cut, aged to tender perfection on site. Yeah, I remember that. Mine was medium rare. Ah, That's a good choice. Then, after you've chosen the cut, pair it with a vintage from their extensive wine collection or with an Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktail. I love those cocktails, by the way. You can enjoy a succulent appetizer as their master chef crafts your choice cut as you desire. Yeah, I I like, uh, I'll have like uh, like a, a little surf and turf action, so I'm going to go with like a shrimp cocktail or something like that. Nice, yes. Yeah. And when your main course arrives, after you've enjoyed that tasty shrimp cocktail, uh, you'll understand why at Atlas Steakhouse they always offer you a cut above the rest. That's Atlas Steakhouse, 943 Coney Island Avenue. Uh, visit them on the web at atlassteak.com. Well, that's great. Well, how's your back feeling? Uh, it's been better, Vince. That's been better? So yeah. you, you suffer from back pain? I have a, I have a serious hip problem. Well. Well, that's kind of lower, lower than the it's back. It's a lower back lower hip back. problem. Okay. Well, do you know that there are 400,000 back surgeries every year and 40% are unsuccessful? You aware of that? That's a lot. Well, that's why doctors all over the United States are racing to acquire and get trained on the DRX-9000. That's an FDA-approved non-surgical device that's saving thousands of Americans suffering from chronic back pain from going on the night. So you don't even need the surgery. Can I use this in Brooklyn? Is there somewhere in Brooklyn I can of get this? Of course you can, because in Brooklyn, Dr. Melinda Keller has been successfully treating patients with the DRX-9000, and there are documented successes treated back pain, sciatica, herniated or bulging disc, degenerative disc disease. Uh, they got all sorts of uh, treatments of relapse of fail, failure. If, if you've had a failed back surgery, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. come in and treat that. So that's for the other 40%. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You can call uh, Brooklyn Spine Center now and set up an appointment for free consultation. The number is 718-234-6207. Once again, it's 718-234-6207. The Brooklyn Spine Center is located at 5911 16th Avenue in Brooklyn. You can visit them online at brooklynspinecenter.com. You know, Max, one of my favorite interviews we did was with uh, R2-D2. 
I heard that interview. Yeah, no, it was it was a great interview, and a lot of the kids love it. You know, they they were surprised to hear uh, R two on the air. I got to tell you, the FCC though, they need to get they need to get a protocol droid working for him because uh, some of the stuff that was coming out R 2s mouth, I don't I don't know. Yeah, it, it, was, know. it was it was racy. Pretty, yeah, no, we we kind of beeped it out. Yeah, I don't know if you can't yeah. really notice when R 2s talking to you, you don't notice when he's being beeped and when he's just talking because he talks and beeps. Yeah, but that's what. That's what was happening that day. And listen, our phone lines are open. Give us a call. You want to talk about R2-D2? You want to talk about our uh, our discussion uh, with Michael Moore? You want to talk about the snow coming down tonight? Oh, oh, oh. wait. We're getting a call. You get a call. I wonder who this is. Hello. Welcome to Brooklyn Paper Radio. You're on the air. Hey, Brooklyn Paper Radio. You're on the air. Hello. Brooklyn Paper Hello? Radio. Hey, who's that? Hello, Dad. Oh, it's my son. Whoa. What are you doing? What are you doing? Is it snowing over there on Staten Island? What? Is it snowing on Staten Island? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. How's it coming down? How many how many inches you got? I don't know. <laughs> hey, you saw the new Star Wars movie, right? I did. What did you think of it? I thought it was very good. You thought it was very good. What was your favorite part? I think I don't know. I think it was my, I think my favorite part was when Ray was being captured in the planet, and a stormtrooper was tied like tied her to a like this kind of seat. And then she played a Jedi mind trick on the stormtrooper mm-hmm. and said, "Like I, you will unloosen these chains you don't... and set me free and leave this room." And then as he leaves, he says, "And I'll drop." And she said, "And she says, and you'll drop your weapon." And then he's and then he dropped his weapon. You and don't like and I'll drop my weapon. You don't need to see our identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. It's like that, right? I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing? You got the day off? You got the week off? What's going on over there? Um, Mom's making me chicken salad sandwiches. Oh, that's nice. Always, always good to have a chicken salad. Now, whose chicken salad do you like better? Do you like the chicken salad from Mom, or do you like the chicken salad from the uh, Atlantic Bagel Company in New Jersey? For our I'm listeners not, out there, that's my I brother's place. I don't know. Okay. You don't, uh, don't, oh. don't want to take sides. You don't want to take sides. Right? What's that, Mom? You, <laughs> Wait, mom's talking Are in the background. Being coached? He's being coached. I'm talking to mom. <laughs> what, mom? Yeah. <laughs> mom said there's a lot of snow in Staten Island. Tell mom if she wants to be interviewed, she can call in next time. Okay. All right. Listen. Um, I just wanted to know: Did you get to play any uh, games today? Did you get to do a little Battlefront, something like that? Um, no. But uh, I. Uh, but af- I think after I finish this little um, reading to learn assignment, uh-huh. I'm going to be able to play Star Wars Battlefront. Am I right, Mom? Oh, that's exciting. That's and, exciting. Yeah, I have all these facts written down. I'm just copying them now. Now, you're doing all this homework because of what? Because of the Common Core? What? Are you doing all this homework all the time because of the Common Core? Um, I, do, I'm, I don't have to do homework on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Or at least not homework that was assigned on the day. They don't assign you homework on that day. So were you assigned any homework for over the holiday? 
Um, no. No, the but... Homework, the homework, I think, was just to finish the Reading to Learn project over this week. Okay, and the Reading to Learn project is you read a book and you learn something? What? You read a book, or is there any particular book you're reading? I have to read a couple of these books, and then I have to write all the information I learned, Uh huh. like, in this little chart, and then... And then I put it on something like a poster board, and then I have to do a presentation and show it to the whole school. Oh, and what? The whole school, my class. So what is your presentation on? Who is it on? I'm doing, well, it's based on a president, and I am doing mine on George Washington. Oh, the first president. Some say the greatest president. So I I thought about just saying on the radio that Uh I think that, there is this. There's a game yes. called Battlefront. Uh huh. Star Wars Battlefront. Well, I didn't know you had an agenda, but usually at the end of the interview, we let our our interviewees p- plug whatever they want. So go ahead and plug away. Um. So I just wanted to send, and I think I learned somewhere that it's not quite popular game. Battlefront isn't popular. It isn't quite popular. I don't think. Okay. So what did you want to say about it? I want to say that. Like, um, I th- I just like that game a lot, and that I think other sh- people should play it. And it ha- and it has this like, uh, and I find it very fun mm-hmm. because I don't have many. I think that this is the only first-person shooter in my house, and yeah. I find it very fun. Yeah, well, th- we we don't allow um to pl- we don't allow Vince. He's nine years old. We don't let him play, you know these like these warfare. I play games. on Xbox One. Yeah, he does have it on the Xbox One, but we don't let him play the and warfare. What are the I games? What are the games you're I not allowed to play? I just I find it very fun. So so Battlefront haters back off is what you're saying. What? You're saying Battlefront haters back off. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> That's Max Yeager. Do you know Max? What? Do you know Max Yeager? He works with me. I felt like you said something about him. Yeah, we've talked. I've certainly talked about him. You know, at the dinner table. Oh my! Yes, it's blushing. Well, hello, hello, young Vince. How you doing? I think that is good. <laughs> you got a tough question. He's playing Battlefront. Oh man! All right, listen, Vince. It's a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for calling, and it's good you called when we did because we're about to play our exclusive interview that Gersh and I did with R two D two, and and this it turned out that this interview was was. Uh, it, it was it was very like forward thinking. We hadn't seen the movie yet, but uh, it was it, it was made pretty clear that R two D two was like an afterthought in that movie. He seemed very angry about it, and uh, that's what came out of this interview. So I think I'll tell you what though, when when he came alive, when he came back to life in that movie, people cheered. People in the theater cheered. Yeah, when he was in it for the three minutes yeah, that he was in it. Yeah. Right. Do you remember R two D two in the movie, Vince? Uh, yeah. Do you, but who do you remember more, R two D two or uh, th- that other droid that rolled around? What was his name? What? What was the name of the other droid that was uh, in the movie? The the one that rolled what? around. What was the name of the droid that rolled around? BB-8. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, I don't think they get along. All right, well, Vince, thanks for giving us a call. We really appreciate it. And Jimmy, we're gonna roll the tape. Uh, and Vince, I will see you when I get home. I'm very excited about. Apparently, I'm having a uh, chicken salad for dinner. It's very hard for me to speak to you. Okay. What? <laughs> All right. All right. We will talk to you later, kiddo. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Jimmy, let's roll the tape. This is Vinny Gersh and R2-D2.
Well, Vinny, as you know, the stars of the upcoming blockbuster, Star Wars, have declined all our interview requests. Yeah, they're a bunch of freaking greedos, as far as I'm concerned. Well, the good news is that R2-D2 agreed to come on the show and talk about The Force Awakens, which is a bit of a coup for us. R2-D2? This is the droid we're looking for. Indeed, Darth Maselli. So first, let's welcome R2-D2 to Brooklyn Paper Radio, all the way by subspace hookup from Tatooine. We hope we get a clear connection on the scrambled signal there, Jimmy. Welcome, R2-D2. Wow, that is nice of you to say, R2-D2, but it's a great honor for us. I mean, you're a legend. You were in all six of the Star Wars movies, after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the prequels don't count, especially that part in episode two where you could fly. I mean, what was George Lucas thinking? Hmm, That bad, huh? Was it uh, Quaaludes or LSD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not completely condemn hallucinogenic drugs. I mean, how else could someone have come up with the Star Wars bar scene in the first place? But R2... Wait, do you mind if I call you R2? No, okay, I understand. Mr. D2. Anyway, I was going to ask if you could tell us anything about the new movie, The Force Awakens. What was it like being back on the set with Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill? Really? You, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher? It sounds hot. Oh, oh, I get it. It was you, Harrison Ford, and Mark Hamill. I hear the force is strong in that one. Yeah, well, that can happen to any middle-aged man, Mr. D2. Present company excluded, of course. Yes, they do have a pill for that now. Moving on, moving on. Tell us about your relationship with C-3PO. We know what he's like on screen, but what is he like on the set? And we hear it can be a bit of a pain. Oh, and you put up with that all these years? So I take it you guys don't hang out much in between films. Yeah, everyone would rather hang out with Billy D. Williams. Uh, but you guys don't get together at all? No Christmas cards? Oh, I didn't know he was Jewish. That's interesting. It's surprising he doesn't get a mention in the Hanukkah song. Yeah, well, it is tough to rhyme C-3PO with menorah. <laughs> well, enough about this. And we know you have to go, Mr. D2, but uh, we were when you were on set, you were on the set. You read the script. Yep. And our listeners need to know. Here it comes, R2. Once and for all. Here it comes. Did Han shoot first? I, I knew it. Gersh, you owe me a dollar. Oh, enough with these softballs. Let's get into the tough questions about the new movie that only we have the guts to ask. Now, we know you signed a non-disclosure agreement form to keep the secrets, but then again, you were the one to deliver the secrets to Obi-Wan and Star Wars. Yeah, we still call it Star Wars. Yeah, and what we really need to know is how does it feel to play second banana to a droid like BB-8, which as far as we can tell is the star of the new movie. My eight-year-old already threw out his R2 garbage can and replaced it with a shiny new BB-8 one. Whew. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it easy. Take it easy, Mr. D2. I think we hit a sore spot with that one, Vince. What a mouth on that guy. He sounds like a sailor. Well, Vince, technically he is a sailor. Anyway, Mr. D2, always remember that you'll get a lot of love from your fans here at Brooklyn Paper Radio. After all, you were the guy who fixed the hyperdrive and the warp coil and the Falcon getting our heroes to safety. Yeah, and you shut down all the garbage compactors on the detention level in the nick of time. Shut down all the garbage compactors. Shut down all the garbage compactors. I mean, we have never seen such devotion in a droid. That's right, and you did hit the Buzz Droy center-eyed like Obi-Wan told you, and you saved Han's life when Jabba wanted to throw him into the Sarlacc, which would have digested him over thousands of years, yet he never appreciated you. Yeah, I know, he really treated you like scrap. 
You don't have to cry. No, you know what? You do have to cry. Let it out. R2-D2, let it out. Let it out. <laughs> He's really, He's really sad. Sad. <laughs> Listen to him. He just won't stop. He's really sad. I hate to see a droid fall apart like this. Reminds me of the time Uncle Owen almost bought that uh, R2 unit uh, with a bad motivator. Okay, we understand. We understand. Vince, we gotta let him go. He needs to power down and plug into the mainframe for a few minutes. Yeah, I understand completely. No, 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 no. Well, thank you, R2-D2, for joining us today. Star Wars The Force Awakens is in theaters on Friday. R2-D2, everybody. And next week, uh, tune in for our exclusive interview with the newest Star Wars sensation, BB-8. Woo! Oh, man, that was some good stuff. What an interview. <laughs> Max, I tell you, this is very—it's very exciting to have you on. Now, you—you have—you have your own band, right? Uh, yeah, I, d I dabble in uh, music. Yes. And now you play, and you also play banjo. I play a banjo. Yeah, the bass—it's got a string on it. I can probably figure something. How about out. how about like regular guitar? Sure. Yeah, that's where I started back at yeah. uh, the tender young age of thirteen. All right. Well, I think we got to pay some bills, so why don't you? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about let's talk about Atlas Steakhouse. Oh, I love Atlas. Dine Steakhouse. a cut above the rest. That's what I've heard. Select your premium cut. Aged on site for optimal texture and taste. Wait a second. Are we getting a call? I love it when we get a call. Let's see. Hey, this is Broken Paper Radio. You're on the air. That's right. It's Gersh Kuntzman oh. calling in to the host, Vince DiMaselli, who co-hosts with Gersh Kuntzman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's me, Gersh. I'm here, and I'm, I'm along with your replacement. I mean, your, the, your temporary <laughs> replacement, Max Yeager. Your job is safe? I gotta tell you that Jaeger is doing a fantastic job in my stead. Oh. The side song. Praise from Caesar. Next Monday at four thirty. Yeah, I can't. I, we can't wait to have you back. Now, where are you right now, Gersh? Well, I'm happily ensconced in my girlfriend's apartment in Manhattan. Oh, mm. I thought you were like in some far-off place down south. Well, I was down on the eastern shore of Maryland, duck hunting with my friends Dick Cheney. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? How'd that go? Well, I didn't get shot. We can report that I did not get shot, but it's good to know the Eastern Shore is fine, and I've made it back through the storm to call into Brooklyn Paper Radio. Well, it's, it's we're we're glad you did, Gersh, but we gotta we gotta pay some bills. So, unless you want to talk about um, more about Atlas Steakhouse and Doctor Joseph Lichter, we're gonna we're gonna do that right now. Thanks thanks for the call, Gersh. Call anytime, Vince, and I'll see you on Monday. Yep. See you next week. Was Gersh Kuntzman. Nice with nice the call in the middle that of a spot. Very nice. Yes, he, uh, his timing is impeccable. Yes, all right. Let's go back okay, to the so, spot. So back to the spot. Atlas Steakhouse. Uh, I believe I was telling our listeners how they could dine a cut above the rest. Uh, where mm -hmm. They can select a premium cut aged on-site for optimal texture and taste. Uh, enjoy delicious vintage wines, expertly mixed cocktails, and signature appetizers. While Atlas Steakhouse crafts your choice cut into a custom culinary masterpiece. Ooh. Complete your dining experience with an exquisite signature dessert. And you will understand, at Atlas Steakhouse, you dine a cut above the rest. I love that. I love that part where it's like above everything else because that's quite frankly that that's what it is. It you know, tr it truly is. And and it's uh and and you can get there uh by going to nine four three Coney Island Avenue. Mm -hmm. That's Atlas Steakhouse at nine four three Coney Island Avenue or at Atlas Steak. Yeah, I love it. All right, listen, has low back pain kept you on the sidelines of life and unable to do the things that make you active and happy? Non-surgical spinal decompression at Brooklyn Spine Center can get you back in the game. And I think, quite frankly, I'm, 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 not, so, I'm not so sure of it, but Gersh might have been in the game right when he called there. 
It sounded like it. I heard, uh, I heard a, a, a playing partner with him. He was in the game, it seemed. Teammate. Spinal decompression has been proven effective in relieving the pain associated with bulging and herniated discs, degenerative disc disease, sciatica, and even failed back surgery. The DRX-9000 spinal decompression device applies a distracting force to relieve nerve compression that causes low back pain and sciatica. The form, the force, it's a kind of a pumping action, allows the body's own nutrients to flow back into the affected disc and helps to revitalize the injured disc. You want to find out more? Of course. Well, you can contact the Brooklyn Spine Center at 718-234-6207 to schedule an initial consultation with Dr. Melinda Keller to determine if you are a candidate for spinal decompression. That number again is 718 718- Two three four six two or o seven, or you can visit their website at brooklynspinecenter.com. Brooklyn Spine Center, as you know, is located at fifty nine eleven Sixteenth Avenue in Brooklyn. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Gersh gave us a call there because one of the one of the highlights of the show uh, in the last couple of months was Gersh wrote a column in the in the Daily News about um, the the death of Glenn Fry. Actually, not so much about the death of. Glenn Fry, but about the band The Eagles and, and how much he liked or, or disliked it. Did you, did you happen to see that? I, I did, and uh, he li- clearly he loves them, right? Well, it kind of it kind of blew up because the guys over at WFAN, the morning guys, uh, Boomer and Carton, that's Boomer Siason and Craig Carton, uh, they they kind of took offense by this. They went on the air, and, and they basically slammed Gersh for— They tore into him. It uh, must have been like 45 minutes. Tore into him like like schoolyard bullies. It, it really it really, it really yeah. did not—it didn't go over well for Gersh. And Gersh, during that time, was trying to give him—trying to call him up, trying to trying to get on the air. They never put him on the Their air. Their fixation which, on his last name was a new low even for, for radio, <laughs> for morning sports radio. <laughs> it could very well have been. So fact is, uh, I wanted to give Gersh an opportunity to, to basically speak up for himself and then— and uh, that led to this conversation that we had with him talking about some dead people that, uh, you know, had unfortunately recently passed away. And we wanted to see what he thought about them. So let's let's can we can we play that? Jimmy, you got that clip? Let's play that. I wanted to give you an opportunity, though, Gersh, to absolve yourself of, of your past sins. Yeah, oh, I, I do. And I know that everyone got they were very upset with you for what you said about Glenn Fry. Yeah. So I, w- I, have, I have a list of people here that I want to know what you think about them. They, OK, they okay. died recently. Alan Rickman. He oh. played. He played in uh, Robin Hood with uh, with uh, with Kevin Costner. What? Most overrated actor of his generation. <laughs> That's, really bad. That's good. That's what happened. To him. How about uh, Dan Haggerty? He was on Grizzly Adams. Oh, he should have shaved. He, he didn't. Look. When he was shaven, he looked good. Okay. Metalark Lemon recently passed. He yeah. was a. Uh, he was a, He was one of the uh, one of the uh, Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. Always double dribbled and traveled. The guy <laughs> never went to the hole without taking more than two and a half steps. That's terrible. It's true though. <laughs> Jackie Collins, the author of Hollywood Wives. What you think of that? Yeah, not as good as her as her sister Joan Collins, who was very sexy. Okay, and Wes Craven passed away. He was he did Scream Four and of course uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. Lived up to his last name Craven because he was a coward. Never made a movie that scared me. But crap. Okay, and I wanted this is the last one. Also passed away in the last year was Leonard Nimoy. Let me hear what you have to think. Le- Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner born on the same day. Shatner is the better actor. Shatner's the better man. And Rev Shatner is the better Jew. <laughs> there you go. I've now <laughs> and get, a better Canadian. I want the hate mail to come to BrooklynPaper.com. <laughs> Thanks, because that is all accurate. Do we have any? Do we have any Eagles music so we can get out of this segment? We gotta get out of this. Play Desperado because I want to just let the listener hear how bad this band is. What is that? It's Desperado, Gersh. Oh, so, it's so bad. It's so bad. 
But you know what? I'm I'm magnanimous, Rev. Glenn Fry, rest in peace. If you can hear me, you're a good man. But your band is not a rock and roll band. Here we go. Go for it. Oh, well, that's Henley. Come on. Yeah, but they wrote it together. They did write it together. Can't you give us Ronstadt's cover? Yeah. This How'd she do? Did she do better? Oh, yeah. What was he doing? Riding fences? Who rides a fence? What does that mean? It's got a not, it's got a not a bad hook if it was like a symphony. All right, we got to get out. Glenn Fry, rest in peace. That's a great, it's got a nice little piano. Well, there he goes. Hey, the reverend he was speaking to was Reverend Daniel Meeker. He joined us on the show that week, and uh, I thought he, 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 did a, he did a fabulous job as well. But, you know, uh, it, was, it was really quite interesting of how, how, big, how big that got. And, uh, you know, I, Gersh played it, played it really well. And when we discussed that, a lot of times, even when you're doing radio, not everything is off the cuff. Sometimes you rehearse things beforehand. Gersh had no idea I was going to give him that list of people, and he just— uh, And you heard the responses. Yeah, you, you could see he's just really clearly just a hateful, hateful man. <laughs> so, All right, but listen, we gotta, we just got to pay one more bill, and then we got to talk about one more thing, and then uh, I think we're going to get out. But here we are. Is, you know, I got it right here. Are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care and an affordable price? Yes. Uh, who isn't? Well, then look no further than Dr. Joseph Lichter. The dentist and skilled hygienist at Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art office use the most up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. Dr. Lichter and his staff perform traditional dental procedures such as teeth cleaning, fillings, root canal therapy, and tooth extractions. But in addition, they offer the latest in restorative and cosmetic dentistry, including implants, porcelain veneers and crowns, fixed bridges, and more. These are the procedures that can make a broken smile look like new. The office also offers Invisalign, an alternative to metal braces that uses virtually invisible plastic aligners that shift teeth into place over a period of time. There's no pumping action involved, but they will shift the teeth into place. Isn't it time you visit a high-quality, state-of-the-art dentist who keeps dentistry affordable so everyone can benefit? Call Dr. Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that can improve your quality of life. Dr. Lichter is located at 1420 Avenue P between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. And you can visit his website at josephlichterdds.com. There, you can fill out an online smile analysis and get a personalized response from the office. That's Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H, Lichter, L-I-C-H-T-E-R, D-D-S. Dot com. When was the last time you went to the dentist? Oh man, it's been a couple of years. Every time I go, they try to they try to sell you stuff, Vince, and I can't take the pressure. Well, that's uh, oh my my wife just texted me. The snow's much deeper now. I'm on the air, honey. I M- could I could much say much deeper it. than we never got an official count. Well, we'll get it. I'm sure. <laughs> well, the 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 fact of the matter is, uh, what I do, I I always go there. and I'm worried that they're like, oh, you know, you're not flossing enough. So mm-hmm. I have a trick. Mm-hmm. You know what my trick is. What's your trick? My trick is I floss like a week before I go to the dentist. For like a week straight. Every day I floss. They fall for that. Yeah, I go to the dentist. Well, I've never had a cavity. So that, that kind of helps. Oh, man. I, hear, I hear it's all genetic, really. Yeah, I, I think or it a is. Lot of it. I, think, I think a lot of it is, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, but good I, for you. I, I'm sure if I went to Dr. Lichter's office today, they would say, hey, keep up that floss. They, they wouldn't fall for that. They wouldn't fall for that. Well, who knows? Well, ho- hopefully, you know, I can, oh, whatever. Listen. Max, I wanted to talk about one more thing before we go because we are running out of time. Shoot. Now, 
I heard you wrote something for radio. You're so excited about the radio show. You want to take Gersh's play so much that you went out and wrote a radio play that the Brooklyn Paper players are going to be putting on. Uh, yeah, well, I won't, I won't say that I wrote it. Uh, there's there's probably credit due to uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles or H.G. Wells? Uh, well, both, both <laughs> actually. Yeah, you caught me there. No, both. It's the Wells uh, brothers. But, but I did, I did take uh, Orson Welles' adaptation of H.G. Wells' book uh, and turn it into a little, uh, little radio play for Brooklyn Paper. What, what book is that? That is War of the Worlds. Oh, I've heard of it. Yes, the uh, the alien invasion masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought, why not? So you know, when you say it's a Brooklyn version, what does that what does that mean exactly? Well, what, what what's different about it? So I was thinking about Brooklyn is my world. I live here. I shop here. I work here. Why can't aliens invade just my borough rather than the rest of the planet? And I thought about it, and we have everything that you need for that story to play out. We've got the army. We've got landing sites. We've got observatories. We've mm-hmm. got scientists. So hipsters? I said, we got hipsters. We got hipsters. They're the aliens, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But uh, so, so we've re-envisioned the entire story taking place in Brooklyn. The aliens land in Brooklyn. They descend on downtown. Now, wait. Who gave this the go-ahead? Because I, I don't see this actually getting on the air. Uh, not a soul. I just did it. Oh, okay. So oh, well. we'll see. We'll see if it plays out. But uh, the script is there. I've got some hungry, hungry reporters out in the newsroom who uh, want to cut their teeth in some some more fictive writing, um, and I think that they're going to be uh, lending their voices to it. Do we have we have the staff to to get this done? When you're writing this, are you thinking about? Yeah, I know who can play this role. And and when you're writing that, who are you thinking? Uh, Vince DiMaselli can play. Ah, oh, man. You know, I tried not to think about that because I want to let people. You know. At least try out for their own roles. I, you know, so I'm wait, not, you're going to hold auditions? I'm not going to pigeonhole somebody into doing something. Uh, yeah, I am going to. I would like to hold auditions, or at least ask people what roles they'd like to play. Um, I talked to uh, to our friend Dick Ziggin down in Coney Island, mm-hmm. Coney Island, USA. I've heard of him? He's, he's got some uh, some voice actors who he turned me on to that are willing to help us out. Too. Really? So yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a good production, I think. Well, it sounds sounds pretty exciting. So I guess we're going to be looking forward to that. the Brooklyn Paper Players production. Of War of the Worlds, as written by uh, Max Yeager, sitting right next to me. Max, you're also in a band, and your band's music also just happens to be the theme music to uh, our radio show. It's a small world. Isn't it wonderful? I I really think it's wonderful. You guys all know Max's music. It kind of starts off the show and it ends the show, but you you don't usually hear the lyrics. So what we're going to do, we're going to close out the show this week. We're going to say thanks to uh, all of our callers today. Oh, thank you very much, guys. Gersh, Gersh Vince, Vince, Vince DiMaselli, yes. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna close with Max's uh, "The Filthy Animals" is Filthy the name animals, of the band, yep. and the name of the song is "Don't Crowd Me." And Jimmy, let's roll that up. I want to thank everybody for listening. Gersh will be back next week. Max might even stop by. Who knows? I'm always here. Maybe I'll be in my office and Gersh and Max do the show. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, let's play it. Let's go, and we'll see you next week on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Enjoy. I'm tired.